0: More than ever, we all could use a mentor who helps us connect and generate ideas for success. This is Joe Soto with joesoto.net and you're listening to the Mentorship Show Podcast. And on this show, I sit down with the world's top personal and professional development mentors who share their best insights to help you excel in life and business. Everyone, Joe Soto here and I have a first uh, for the podcast I have two guests on at the same time for today's show the first is Larry Levine you are in for a treat he's the author of selling from the heart here's the book right there how your authentic self sells you um, I can't I, I couldn't be more excited to have Larry on here to share his insights and the takeaways that you guys are gonna be able to experience from this episode um, I'll let him share a little bit more of his backstory, but he's got over 30 years of infield sales experience to draw from in the B2B space. So so most of you who are listening, who are in that space, are gonna absolutely love this. Uh, and the rest of you that are not in the B2B space, you're gonna learn a lot about sales and we're all in sales. And so uh, he's teamed up here with his uh, partner in crime, Daryl Amy, who is my second guest. He's the author of this book, Revenue Growth Engine, How to Align Sales and Marketing to Accelerate Growth, also a great book. And they've agreed to do something that's unique today, which is um, we're going to do a two-part interview series for the Mentorship Show here on the podcast, where today we're going to talk about selling from the heart, but more importantly, the principles out of the book that I've extracted that I think can help you be better at sales. And then we're going to bring Daryl back on to talk about revenue growth strategies, because He's the revenue growth strategist, and he works with companies all around the country. He's the host of his own podcast as well. They both co-host the Selling from the Heart podcast, and uh, Daryl is a um, host of the Revenue Growth podcast. I was just checking to see if it was under the same name, so I'm going to bring them both on and uh, welcome to the Mentorship Show, guys. Hey, all right, hey, what's going, what's going on, Joe? It's great to going be on? here. My ad lib introduction. Welcome <laughs> the show, that guys. was, dude. That was great. That was amazing. Listen, I, everybody's in sales and everybody that's who's right. listening, my audience in particular, um, a lot of them are, are solopreneurs who they have to sell their own services. And then there's others that have sales teams, people that go out there and deliver the message for them. And I think that everyone should be selling from the heart. And I know it sounds kind of touchy feely. So I'm going to warn people, this is, this is like <laughs> in the trenches, tactical stuff that's going to come from these guys. So listen up. Yeah, it's it's definitely not uh, rose petals and puppy dogs, Joe.
1: <laughs> we like to say it's selling from the heart that soft skills yield hard dollars. And mm. in the world we're in right now, which I think you know, if if you look in sales, the reality is any list of trust trusted professions, right? You get to the bottom of that list, and it's usually a toss up. At the bottom of the list, is it is it uh, politicians? Or is it salespeople, right? And so, but in order to succeed in sales, we've got to build trust. And so, this concept of selling from the heart is actually right at the core of driving sales growth. And and this right now, I think, is a paramount: is how do we go in and build trust inside relationships with prospects and clients?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a uh, we we. One there's trust is a is a message throughout this whole thing. in fact, i I wrote in my notes, you guys say, without trust, sales reps struggle to get appointments, close deals, and maximize revenue from their accounts. Without trust, sales uh, with trust, sales move smoothly through the pipeline. But that's easier said than done. So let's dive into this. You guys have taken the word um, Larry, this word of authenticity. Um, and you've given it legs, you've given it, um, clothes, you, you've, you've taken something that is just this concept that people are throwing around now in business and you've given it a tangible, uh, uh, understanding in your book. And that's something I can really appreciate because it's one thing to say, how do you be authentic and how do you, you know, be yourself? Um, but you go much more richly into that. And, uh, so if you guys don't mind, I have a bunch of questions for you. No, no, go ahead. But and, hey, can I? I just want to address what you said. And by the way, thank
2: you, it, yeah. as, especially around authenticity. And I think it's going to help set up our conversation really, really well. Is um, I call this, and Daryl and I always have these conversations. I said, you know, this is like applied authenticity. Oh, I like that. Apply. And, and, the, and the reason why I share this is I think a lot of times we overcomplicate things. And it's just the way I was grown up. I grew up with a highly relational mother and a father who was a rocket scientist, literally a rocket scientist for the United States Air Force. And he would overcomplicate everything. Not on purpose. That's just just how his brain worked. So I wasn't really book smart. I was street smart. So when he would explain homework to me, if I got stuck, I say, Dad, just give it to me. Easy, understandable. Basically, just tell me the answer. (laughs) Don't tell me like for hours on how this works, yeah. So, when I was writing Selling from the Heart and really talking about authenticity, I wanted people to walk away going, I get it, I understand it, I can relate to it. Now, this is how I can go apply it out in the field,
0: yeah. And and uh, it starts with some core principles, right? So, at the beginning of the book, you talk about self responsibility and Um, For those people who have been through my programs or they've been through either my sales trainings or through my uh, digital marketing and consultant trainings, I lead with this premise of self-responsibility. And uh, you say that the only way to be excellent in sales. And this is a big one. So everyone's listening up. And I hope you got your pen and paper ready because there's a (laughs) lot of notes to be taken from all this. I took four pages myself just in prep for this because I was so excited. Um, you say that the only way to be excellent in sales is to stop the excuses and take full responsibility for your results. So how does someone tackle that, uh, that mindset?
2: You, gotta, you have to work on it. And I'm a big believer that you're products of the environments you were raised in. Hmm. And, and I say this for a reason because there was high accountability in my household and how I was raised. I had to do certain things every day. And one of it was I had to do my homework every day. I had to study every day. I had to do these core principles every single day. Yeah. They it, it, there were non-negotiable. It's just how I was raised. And I say this because, you know, as much as we want to cap on salespeople all, all day long, just hang out on social media and you can find that out. Salespeople are products in the environments they were raised in. If you're raised in a dysfunctional sales environment, then you're going to get what you get. But I just leaned back on how I was raised. I applied these exactly to how I held myself accountable in sales. It wasn't my sales manager's responsibility. It wasn't the company's responsibility. It was my responsibility to hold myself accountable. And it's just how I was raised.
0: Yeah, and you you carry this this theme throughout throughout your your book, your message, interviews I've watched you on. Um, you talk about if you've got an empty s- pipeline, that's your fault. That's not your sales manager's fault or anybody else's for that matter. Um, consistently reinforcing this core message. And I think it starts there. So when people realize like, you know, for, for things to get better, you've got to get better and you got to take responsibility for that. Um, I, I had to learn that. The hard way when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and you're you're talking about you learned it all all the way through your your you're getting getting raised like this. So what about the person who comes out of a dysfunctional family who enters a sales career or now they go, hey, I'm realizing I am my company's salesperson because I'm early stage or I'm or I'm a solopreneur. How does that person develop this though? this account, this self-accountability, should they give us, give us some ideas around that? I I wish um, it's
2: a great question. And I'd be curious what Daryl has to say on this as well, but um, because I think about this all the time, if I go back, right. So I'm going to speak to like young sales, up and coming salespeople who are just entering this and then answering that question is go find a coach and a mentor, somebody to walk you through this. Because if, if there's something that I look back on early on in my career, and, and again, as how I was raised, but it goes back to this dysfunctional word that you used, okay. is if you come out of a situation where that wasn't how you were raised, and you're really trying to figure out how to bring some self-accountability and responsibility into your world, go find a coach and a mentor that can hold your hand. Mm-hmm. And walk you through this, and give you the guidelines and some principles to actually live by. That then you can say, "Okay, now I'm starting to get it."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think this topic, or what we're talking about right here, is kind of where the rubber meets the road, and authenticity being, you know, that soft skill that yields hard dollars. And when we're coaching sales professionals and sales teams, um, when our our team of certified coaches at Selling from the Heart is working with groups. We're looking at, you know, four aspects of it. We call it the trust formula, but the fourth part of the trust formula is so critical and that's disciplined habits. And there's an authentic caring about what you do and the people that you serve that needs to lead to a level of discipline um, and consistency in habits and how you go about um, conducting yourself as a sales professional and this is, you know, this is where authenticity um, begins to come to life as more than just a, a feel-good um, value that you might write down in your journal um, and actually something that that begins to be um, displayed to your prospects and clients. And it makes all the difference in the world when we show up with disciplined habits.
2: Yeah, and, and I think what, what's really interesting about this, Joe, is um – you know, you, it, early on in in our time together, you would used authenticity and how it's just thrown around now. And I firmly agree. It's a word that's just thrown yeah. around, unfortunately, and it's clumped into the buzzwords now. Mm-hmm. But to layer on what Daryl just said is, I'm a big believer, authenticity is a lifestyle. It's not a light switch. And, you're, and, you know, think about what was just said around that, because it's not something that you just wake up and say, hey, I think, you know, today's a great day, right? I'm getting out of bed. I grab a glass of water. I brush my teeth, wash my face, do all that. I think I'm going to try authenticity today. And if (laughs) it works great, I'm going to run with it. And if it doesn't, I'm just going to throw it on the back shelf.
0: Right. Versus it's a way of being. It's a lifestyle.
2: Exactly. It's a lifestyle. We're all authentic human beings.
0: It's just how we choose to carry ourselves. Yeah. In, In the situations that we put pressure on ourselves that we think matter most, like, being client facing or prospecting Mm -hmm. or getting in front of a client. And we think that we have to somehow shift into something that we're not when uh, you're, you're saying, no, you can, you can, you can approach this as yourself and tap into your own unique gifts and, and uh, that'll be enough. But here's my caveat to everything you just said, or my addition to it is that you in the book and in some of the things I want to point out as some of my favorite parts, I think you, you do a great, Job of giving people things they can hold themselves accountable to, and things they can measure, you know, have real like, measurables to gauge how am I doing, and yeah. am I am I working towards um, this authentic self that can sell. And um, ear- early in the book, in I think chapter two is uh, was called "Brutal Honesty Is the Only <laughs> Way," but because my notes, I just wrote chapter two in Chaos and Sales, and I put a note. Um, it's early in the book but it was my favorite section of the book because I think this was a big struggle for me and one of the things that um, frustrates me when I read business books or books on sales is the uh, here's the issue and you need to get past it or you need to find you know solutions to get over this versus you guys say here's the issue and here's the solutions <laughs> so here's the here's the chaos um, and here's some reasons why there's chaos going on in your life why you might be not as productive as you would hope to be. Why you might be more disorganized than you'd hope to be. Um, why you might not be closing as many sales as that you as you'd hope because you have this chaos in your life. But um, you have steps for getting rid of chaos, which I really liked. But talk to us a little bit about um, how this interferes with people's success and what kinds of things do you see being, especially now when you know we're post pandemic, people are you know getting back out there. You guys say something in the book that. Um, kind of took me back. It's I don't even know where it's at in my notes. Sometimes when you take the notes, you just remember it from the note where you said, "Uh, like face-to-face selling is 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 still fine. Like that's back. Like that's alive and well." I think is the words that you used. And uh, there's a lot of people on here that think well, I only could be doing virtual selling, and they maybe they're getting in their own way. And that's blocking them from making sales. Talk a little bit about the current sales conditions, how people move beyond this chaos, and then let's dive in a little bit more into (laughs) prospects. So there's a lot to unpack
2: there. (laughs) There's a ton to unpack there. But what, and it's early on in the book, and uh, my favorite quote in the whole entire book is this, and Daryl knows where I'm going to go with this, is salespeople have hypnotized themselves into believing what they're not doing doesn't work, and right. I'm mean, giving you think about it. There's a double negative in there, but it is 100 percent completely accurate. It's the stories that we tell ourselves, or the stories that we act out, mm-hmm. and and it and it's so interesting. Why I use this quote and it's my favorite quote is I remember early on. This was early on in the onset of the pandemic. I was actually out on travel with a client. And there is probably 16, 17 of us sitting at the dinner table, having dinner, right? Small talk and so forth. And I still remember this, Joe. There's a salesperson just I caught the just out of my left eye. And we started t- the whole conversation started talking about how salespeople leverage the power of social and all that. And he goes, oh, that stuff doesn't work. He goes, I really don't believe in any of that stuff. And I said, well, when's the last time you've ever tried it? And he goes, I have. And I said, then you've hypnotized yourself into believing what you're
0: not doing doesn't work. How do you know it doesn't work? You've never tried it. Right. I use this on my kids all the time. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I need to apply it in, 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 the, in the sales situation.
2: But, but I think all the yeah. chaos that salespeople stir up, and I'm going to raise my hand on this and say, yeah. that, you know, a lot of it's self-induced because I go back to like my whole entire almost 30-year career. A lot of the chaos in my head was self-induced. It's all the things that I conjured up, right? It's the fear. It's the anxiety, It's what am I going to say? How am I going to react? What am I going to do? I have fear of doing this. I have fear of picking up the phone. What's going to happen when I set this meeting up and I walk into that person's office? What's going to happen? And then some of it's chaos from things that have actually happened to us. Bad meeting, horrible sales manager. Yeah. We just got to learn how to deal with all of this stuff. And push through it. But I remember when I was writing this book and Daryl convinced me to write the book is I just said, you know, and this is my first time ever writing a book is I just wanted to write a book that was going to pack a punch. These yeah. are, I mean, this is a day in the life of how I walk through my whole entire career for 28 years selling copiers in Los Angeles.
0: One of the things that you talk about, in addition to self-reflection, self-awareness for helping you deal with chaos that I really loved is you said to stand in front of a mirror and recite these two statements to yourself. And this is something for everybody listening (laughs) that I think was really hard hitting for me. And, and I think it's a, it's a mantra to kind of live by that you say, recite these two statements. I am a student of my client's problems and I have an opportunity. uh, I I haven't, I wrote my note wrong. I have an opportunity. um, I'm an opportunity creator for my clients I wrote down the wrong word. I, t- I did voice typing of my notes. And <laughs> <laughs> do you do so good, man. If I, if I show you, I'll show you what it said. It's hilarious. I'll, I'll just say it. It actually says, I have an opportunity trader. <laughs> That's great. But, but but I remember, I even know I read the book because I actually remember the word was, I'm an opportunity creator um, for my clients. And I just, I love that because... You know, a lot of times people get, they're trying to go in with canned presentations. They get they, like, and I also like what you just said. They they tell themselves stories and then they they act on them. And I think that's the that's the hard part. Is if you're actually acting on the bad stories you're telling yourself, you end up having bad outcomes. And but but being focused on just figuring out what your customer needs and what their problems are faced with, what issues they're dealing with, start there. And then how can you create opportunities for them to win? Um, and those are relationship building uh, traits of a successful salesperson, I think, or of an authentic salesperson who's going to serve first. Um, and with, if you have that servant mentality, that'll be easy for you. And you talk a lot about that later on. But you know, if you have that mentality of I'm going to serve first, then you'll take your time uncovering uh-huh. what this person's problems might be. But I love that. Student of my client's problems is powerful, guys.
1: No. I think there's, I want to throw out a long word here because I've been <laughs> reading some uh, like neuroscience stuff recently, but I think there's cognitive dissonance. And uh, so Whoa. W- hang with me on what I mean. <laughs> is, what I mean by that. My degree is in
0: psychology. A, I'm, uh, I know. How about oh. that?
1: Woo! Tip of the hat to our I never coach, use that Jackie. word though. She's I'm bringing scared. psychology to selling from the heart. The, the, the cognitive dissonance, the, the disconnect uh, in in real English is, we're going out and we're saying, and all our marketing brochures are saying, especially if you're in the tech world that that I was raised in, we're providing solutions to your problems. We walk in and we say, we wanna help you solve your problems. We wanna help you create, but inside um, so many salespeople are walking in the door. What they're, they're saying does not match what they're thinking or feeling. What they're feeling is, I gotta sell something or I'm gonna starve to death, right? Yeah. I've got to sell something today. And and so there's a lot of a lot of dissonance, is a disconnect between what we're saying and and what we really feel inside. People can smell that. We talk it in the book, Larry. You talk about commission breath, yeah. right? People can smell this. And I think there is a gut check that we need to have every single day. Um, and this is part of authenticity. Is I'm committed to delivering meaningful value to my clients, understanding their business, bringing them opportunities, bringing them real solutions. Uh, and knowing that when I do that, the fruit of that is going to be success. But dealing with this um, this disconnect between what I say and what I'm actually feeling inside, I think it's it's epidemic in a lot of salespeople.
0: Yeah, I I, I think uh, th- this this is for everyone listening. They can relate to this. Um, these in- th- you you you. you Sorry, you want to go ahead? No, Ryan, no, sorry, no. Go ahead. Go no, next no, no,
2: no. Go ahead. Just
1: Larry's yeah, just going to bust me later for using the word cognitive, cognitive dissonance,
2: dissonance. <laughs> in a sales nerd. podcast. <laughs>
0: no, Joe, it's, Joe he's, he's a
2: freaking nerd, <laughs> so it's all he's,
0: good. But he's right. People, you know, being it, walking in yeah. and truly walking the talk of what your company's brand messaging yes. is stating to a, to to your end user or your client, and being an example, and, and uh, uh you know, you're a living human you talk about be just be a human Mm -hmm. you're a human example of what your set your marketing is trying to portray you as how does that show up in who you are when you're in front of that client um and the things that can block you you know i know you've got uh i really love the stuff on identity in the book and you have the hard work mindset which i love uh, and you've got a quote in there from from Jeffrey Gittermer. Um, one of my favorite quotes from by Jeffrey is he says that most people won't do the hard work to make sales easy. Yeah. Um, and but you talk, talk about common mindset issues that and you point out several of them, you know, victim mentality and not believing in yourself and constantly complaining and and uh, and then there's you know knowing being a know it all and and trying to impress other people and all these things that kind of stand in people's way of being uh, their authentic self that can sell in these environments. Um, but you know how how do you how do you address these mindset issues? People are stuck in they they, they not I say stuck because they've lived these out almost as habits. Their, their mindset has become a habit of this type of thinking. And I believe this is a big stuck point for a lot of people listening who just really haven't gotten over the hump of I'm pretty good at sales versus I can be amazing at sales because of the, my, my way of thinking. Because we were talking about you know some, some mindset stuff before we get on the podcast today, but wh- where do people start?
2: So, so he- he- here's what's interesting. And um, I was never the smartest person out there. And and if you go back, I mean, my dad was you know tip of the cap to my father. I mean, he was super, super, super smart. But I really struggled with all of this stuff. I really struggled in school. I struggled with the book stuff. Yeah. But where I really, where I really honed in on is I th- I I lean in because my dad traveled a lot. I leaned into how I was raised by my mom. She was highly relational, and I'm bringing this up for a point. It for for. A lot of reasons but i had this really keen sixth sense that i learned from my mom as far as how to lean into my emotions and how to lean into how i relate to people how i lean into how i have conversations with people and that was like my superpower it, it really was but i also checked my ego out at the door a long time ago that Yeah. I knew I wasn't the smartest person out there. There was people that were way smarter than me that were may- way more strategic than me in the channel that I sold into. Hmm. But I knew what my superpower was, was I checked all of that out the door and I just had a conversation with somebody, not a sales conversation. I just had conversations with people and it was that mindset of, you know what? I'm not a salesperson and they're not a prospective customer or a customer. I'm just Larry Levine having a conversation with Joe Soto.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And what comes out of that conversation, we'll see what comes out of that conversation. But yeah. I'm a and people may or may not agree with me, and that's okay. But I learned a long time ago that the more comfortable I made somebody feel about me the more comfortable they became and the more comfortable they became, they soon started sharing things with me. They weren't sharing with other people. And that was the mindset that I just took into all of this. And, they, and what's, they, it, they did. and here's here's what's interesting about this, and Daryl's smiling on this is Daryl, Dar- our friendship goes like way beyond selling from the heart. I mean, this is decades in the making our friendship. And what's really interesting is Daryl seen me in action when we both were in the same channel in how I interacted with people. Daryl's way more smarter than me. He's Daryl's way more cerebral than me. I'm way more relational than But it's a cognitive dissonance. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, but you could tell. But he uses big words. He's he lo- dude. He loves using big words, right? Massive
0: big words. Just, get, just give me just like. You don't have that kind of vocabulary and then claim that you're not the smartest in the room.
2: No, dude. Just read my book, right? I mean, you'll <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Soto. You didn't know what you were signing That's up good. for, bringing us on this podcast together. But <laughs> okay. Uh, but but no, it, no. It, with, in all sincerity, Daryl see me in action when I was in sales, and this is before we ever partnered together. And and I say this because the mindset that I think salespeople have to take today, it's not about us; it's about the other person. Mm-hmm. It's about just leaning into the other person. Let the conversation go where it goes. And I would, st- I, I literally, Daryl's high tech. I'm not. And in the channel that, that I came out of when it started switching to really high techy stuff, when we moved from analog to the digital space is I had no problem, none whatsoever. Yeah. Looking somebody that and saying, Hey dude, you're way more smarter about this than me. We're just here to have a conversation and uncover, you know, some issues, some challenges, you know, what are some of the things you're working on? Where would you like to see things go? Yeah, and that was my innate ability to ask really good questions, to gain clarity, to move things forward, but knowing, hey, I'm not the smartest whip in the room.
0: I I always say, you know, people's skills trumps everything, including social media skills, tech skills, and everything else, and being able to get someone to open up to you and to build that type of rapport. Where they feel comfortable enough to to share things with you, they might not share with other people. Is is the door opener to them wanting to possibly yep. have a long term relationship yep. with you? Yeah, you know, yeah. you talk a little bit about the difference between customers and clients. I think that was in the book. It might have been on a show I was watching with you, but um, where with clients, it's much more about this long term relationship that you're you're building a bridge to when you're prospecting, and they aren't judging you necessarily always on, can you technically deliver on the promise of the product or service I'm hiring you for? It's, do I want to be around you for the next 12 to however long it might be that I'm engaging your services? And I've tried to emphasize this to people also in my programs that they're buying you. And, you know, there are that's they're, why oftentimes it's easier to sell sometimes a one-time client than a long-term relationship client. Because if you can't win... The relationship at the person-to-person level, where they feel comfortable enough to want to do business with you, and they like you, know you, and trust you now, right? That uh, they're gonna, they're, you're not gonna get their business. It doesn't has nothing to do with your product or service at that point, point. and prices, uh, you know, is completely out of the out of the equation if they can't get past what they like you. So that is a superpower, mm-hmm. Larry, to say, "Hey, I'm not gonna necessarily follow a sales process." that I'm being rigidly taught in my sales training program as a new salesperson, I'm instead gonna follow the process of how do I win this relationship by being authentic to who I am first and leaning into conversation and openness.
2: Yeah, I mean, Relationships drive revenue. If you want consistent, long-term sales sustainability, you got to build deep, meaningful relationships. And this is what a lot, unfortunately, this is where the sales world really struggles a lot with is they will say relationships are important. They will say their customers or clients are important, however they want to refer to them. But yet they struggle to really unpack. Walk me through what the relationship looks like. Mm Mm-hmm. I was yeah. just uh, go ahead, Daryl.
1: Well, I, I was. I want to add to that. I think that you can stick to the sales process. Every company has a sales process, or for my fellow Canadian friends, a sales process, and you can stick to that. It's it's do you show up into that into that process with authentic relationship and meaningful value, which we would say are the two sides of the trust coin, right? That, that I've got real friends instead of deal friends. No. Oh, yeah. Relationships, right? That I'm building relationships and it's not just a, um, a deal. We call them a deal friend, right? That I, I'm just buddies with you until this deal closes. I'm looking to build a long-term relationship. Customers go to Walmart to buy toothpaste. The clients go to trusted advisors to get advice. And that is a relational thing. And what I want to achieve as a sales professional it may start as a customer-type uh, relationship, but I want to transform that to a client relationship where there is authentic yeah. relationship, friendship, and there is ongoing meaningful value in there. And that, to me, is is when you step into that zone, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in, it doesn't matter what sales model process system you use, when you step into the zone of authentic relationship and meaningful value you just set yourself apart from 95% of the other sales professionals that are calling on that that person and make no make no mistake your competition is not your competition it's every other sales professional that's yep. buying for that person's attention so this is where we have a tremendous selling from the heart has a tr- you've got a tremendous opportunity in any industry to up your game by by bringing the relational side into this
2: yeah. And, and I, I just have to ping on what Daryl said, it. Joe, is um, because we've used the, we use these phrases all the time. And so I'm speaking, you know, this is to all the salespeople are out there, all the sales managers, all the sales leaders. We've all used these phrases. People buy from people. Yeah, And people buy from people they know, like, and trust. Those are phrases that have been used for decades. They're going to be used long after we're off the face of this earth. Yeah. But here's what I'd submit everyone to think about. If you buy into those two phrases, then what are you doing to build up your people skills and your relationship building skills? Because we use those phrases in sales all the time, but yet are we congruent with it? Does the walk match the talk? And this is where a sales world's struggling with today is you know especially post-pandemic is you know no pun on the heart thing we just got to get to the heart of what matters and people are at the heart of what matters
0: Mm -hmm. yeah this is this is powerful stuff and i i for those of you who want even a deeper dive on this this kind of philosophy and also tactical approach towards uh handling and taking care of your clients they they uh I know Larry, and I know you wrote the preface to the book, Daryl, but uh, you guys, Larry, this is, you dive into this Thank in, you. In, 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 uh, in one of the later chapters of the book where you talk about steps to nurture clients and things that you can actually do to strengthen that relationship. So it isn't just about us saying it up here on this podcast, on this show. You get you guys um, give ways to build trust and, and, and how to be a trusted advisor in the book and how to um show that you're accountable to the client uh, in the book, and I love it, but I want to finish this part of the show out. I know this is still kind of this is uh time's just flying by, but <laughs> i i can't because we're I'm a digital marketing guy, and, and i've had a digital marketing agency since since myspace, <laughs> okay <laughs> um I love the content. Uh, creates conversations, con- create content that creates conversations, chapter. I think it was chapter nine in the book. And you say that um, content is an important strategy for building sales in today's world. I want you guys to tell me a little bit more about that. Larry, I wanted to start with you.
2: Yeah. So here's what's interesting about that and, and why I shared that is I go back, this is probably 17, 18 years ago, or early, I really learned this from my very first business coach. And at four years old, I felt like I was stuck. And I just needed the push over the edge. And I was already successful in the company I was at and I had a long, successful career, but I felt I was stuck. So I hired my first business coach and my first business coach really took me on a journey. That's where I kind of learned a little bit about inward thinking and things like that. But the best thing that he shared with me was how to position myself and play in an online world. So if we go back 17, 18 years ago, right, do the math on that one. I mean, LinkedIn's in its infancy.
0: Yeah.
2: And, and a lot of the stuff that we play with today just wasn't around. And he said something powerful to me. He goes, If you want to become successful in sales, you got to learn how to play in the online sandbox. Exact words. And yeah. I just followed his strategy.
0: Yeah, and I it was hard. To
2: I took it to heart. I was like, How do I position myself? How do I walk? How do I talk? How do I act? And then the last thing that came up was content. And right. So here, so here I am. Right. Joe, you're a digital marketing guy. Daryl's a marketing guy. I'm a sales junkie.
0: <laughs>
2: but what I did is I just figured I just followed the instructions and figured out the same way that I'm carrying myself face to face and Amen. engage with people is the same way. I'm going to duplicate things online. No different. I'm going to act the same way. I'm not going to veer from it, and I'm going to stay highly focused. I just figured out that, um, and I learned this from Daryl because Daryl's got an alliteration sickness, and now it's worn <laughs> off on me. It's a gift, <laughs> it's, Larry. It's it's a, a gift. It, it's a gift. But I, you know, back then I was Larry's just, got it in his name. Yeah, dude, right. LL. But too bad my middle initial is not an L. That would <laughs> really be interesting. Yeah. But uh, I just learned early on how to engage people how to educate people, and then how to excite them into conversations. And it was all around content. Yeah. And so when when I would share content, the sole purpose of me sharing that content was to educate, engage with them, get them into some type of a conversation that I can easily move that conversation to the point where I can have another conversation with them and another conversation with them. Yeah, And I was just fishing for conversations and I didn't put any like thought to it. I'm just a sales guy leveraging a platform. And I didn't, and I didn't really convolute it. I just said, Hey, this is what I'm going to do.
0: But the part that was unconsciously competent for you, that's my biggest word I know how to use Daryl. That's That's pretty big. Uh, That's pretty big Joe. Is, is the part you said when you said earlier, um, I'm going to behave the way online as I wouldn't, offline no different mm-hmm. and that is the part that most people miss they think they have to show up differently online than they would if they were meeting someone in person and I've told people this as well if you're you know and they say, I don't know what to post on LinkedIn I'm like well if you were to go speak at the local lunch and learn for your chamber of commerce what would you talk about and they tell me I go just go talk about that on LinkedIn yeah you might be talking to nobody at first but somebody might engage in conversation with you and they they forget that that's That's all they're doing is being that way. And it's the same with prospecting. So let me add this because I know you have a whole chapter on prospecting. I encourage people to read it. We don't have time to dive into all the principles of it. But this principle is also so true in prospecting. In other words, you wouldn't expect just to meet somebody in person and ask them for money out of their wallet the first moment you meet them. And so prospecting is not much different when it comes to time as the most important currency people have on uh, in the world, um, let alone online. So if you go right into a LinkedIn messaging with, hey, let's book a call right now because I just met you and you just connected with me on LinkedIn, and you haven't engaged or they don't know who you are, you have no content that would even create curiosity, let alone conversation, don't go there. Don't play those what I call bad prospecting games online. Be how you would be. Offline, online is carries a lot of weight, Larry. Mm. That, that statement. Yeah,
2: no, no, thank you. And, and you know, just that you brought up this prospecting, you know, concept just for a few minutes is there's so many different ways to prospect. And I remember back, you know, and I'm dating myself a little bit, but even back 17, 18 years ago, there were so many ways to prospect. And I remember getting into, you know, some heated disagreements with business partners around this is right. The whole concept of pulling doors and emails and phone, right? Yeah. It worked a whole lot better then than it does in today's world. Yeah. But I said, you know what? You shouldn't care how somebody prospects or the tools they prospect with, as long as they continue to prospect every single day yeah. and it's non negotiable. And you know, there. We just go to as salespeople today. Whether you're a sales professional, sales rep, sales manager, sales leader, we're going to we're going to war prospecting with like two tools in our bag, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Phone,
2: email, maybe a splash of social.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And we expect to have you know monumental results. We got to use every single imaginable tool that's out there to prospect. Yeah, and hold ourselves accountable to do it. And do it consistently, and you call it constantly. <laughs> right. I mean, it just goes. It just, go, it, just it just goes back. They were talking about it a hundred years ago oh, about yeah. discipline, right? I mean, before yeah. the show, we we're talking about Napoleon Hill and all that. Yeah. Napoleon Hill and Andrew Carnegie and all those people. They were talking about discipline, habits, and self discipline. Yeah, hundred years ago. It's interesting
1: because we talk in sales a lot about KPIs, activity, and all of that. And activity is important. Don't stop tracking activity. But there's also habits and, you know, the habits of an authentic sales professional, things like how do you start your day? How do you end your day? How do you plan your week? What are you doing to um, make sure when you show up, you actually have something to talk about? What are you doing to educate yourself? Because let's be honest, we can talk about whether it's creating content or driving conversation. A lot of salespeople are just empty suits. They haven't invested in themselves I don't really have anything to say other than reciting the company mantra. So what are your habits, you know, and, and this is, um, what are your habits relationally in terms of, of developing, growing your network. And, and this is, these are the things that set apart uh, what we would call the sales rep from the true sales professional, a sales rep has activity metrics, a sales professional also has habits Um, a rule of life, how they go about conducting themselves um, so that they can show up and be authentic in relationship and value. And this is, you know, this is where uh, I think everyone in sales has the opportunity to up their game. It doesn't matter what you sell, doesn't matter what sales methodology you use, layer on the habits of an authentic sales professional and you've got the ability to, to, to up your game which is what we need right now as we're heading into 2023 this is a year where we got to be focused
0: yeah well it's really well stated daryl um in the, in the you close out uh selling from the heart with uh, a chapter on uh no more empty suits <laughs> and funny. i actually didn't really understand what that's always meant it's like one of those lines i've heard over the years it didn't really and so I was, I, I read that chapter just out of like the curiosity to know what you mean by it. <laughs> but everything you just said is the way, you know, is, is that, you know, we're, it's this war on mediocrity, you call it. But yes, the demonstrating of competence, how are you showing up so you're more than, than, you know, than, than an empty suit? How, how are you demonstrating the competence um, to, to be there that can show through in the content that you deliver and the way that you approach uh, that relational? uh, opportunity, not a, tr- not, and not a transactional one. So, yeah, you know, and, and, and it's
2: so interesting because I've caught, I've caught some flack for chapter 10, but, uh, but that's all right. Is I like but, it. Yeah, I personally, I love it, but yeah, only because yeah. I wrote it. Yeah. But, but yeah, there is a distinct difference between a sales rep and a sales professional. And I'm not, and I love everything about sales. So does Daryl and Joe, I know. So do you. But yeah. we have to take a step back and say, how am I carrying myself? How am I showing up? How am I interacting with my clients and my future clients? You know, it's selling from the heart. We call it giving a rip. Yeah. And if
0: you don't give a rip about your clients, they can sense it. That's right. You, it, you said, it, like he mentioned it earlier, commission. I, I wrote this in my notes commission <laughs> breath is a foul odor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and people can smell it even they, over Zoom, even over Zoom. They can. Yes, that's right, yeah no I, I, I love it. and then uh, you end with uh, you suggest the highest calling from for a, for a sales professional for selling from the heart um, is to serve others. and uh, I think that's a meaningful way to, to cap it off in the, in the book and also in, on the show. Um, you guys are great examples of that. your work is great examples of it. Everything that you guys preach in the book, you can see examples of it online. Um, Tell us a little bit more about where people can find out about you, Larry. Uh, Yeah, but you could
2: find out about me all day long on LinkedIn. But if you want to find out the latest and greatest, what we're up to, go to sellingfromtheheart.net. And I'd also love to send you a book as well. If you just go to sellingfromtheheart.net forward slash book, I'd be more than happy to sign a copy of Selling from the Heart and send it to you.
0: Awesome. I'll put that in the uh, in the show notes uh, as well. And, and then so and then hey, I'll by the, the and then and then by the way, just as with you, Daryl and I love podcasting
2: because actually, selling from the heart started and stemmed from me convincing Daryl to start a podcast. And and he said, "Well, what do you want to name this podcast?" If I agreed to do this podcast, and he was so anti podcast, Joe is so hilarious. <laughs> now he's <laughs> got was, another one. <laughs> and, and now he's got another one. But this was uh, this is five and a half years ago. Wow. And I said, hey, you know, let's call this podcast selling from the heart. And Daryl mm-hmm. goes, I don't know where you came up with that, but it's pure but that's genius. really good. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I mean really that's good. good. That's just how I carried myself in a very chaotic world. I said, we're just gonna talk about things from two guys' perspective that I think a lot of people think about, but they don't really publicly talk about. And it was from that that the book came to be, and now we've turned from the podcast to the book. Now we've turned this into a business, and we just love helping sales leaders and salespeople grow their business and grow themselves.
0: Yeah, amazing guys, awesome! Thanks so much for being here. I, I, um, I, we're fortunate, everyone. We're going to have Daryl back to talk about revenue growth strategies, um, and you know everything that. D- Daryl does is foundational to selling from the heart. And having uh, wrote the preface to the book and having been he's now he's a co-host with this podcast, he didn't think that you guys would end up doing selling from the heart. Um, uh, I'm glad you came and joined us here, Daryl, as well, and and chimed in because uh, everything you said kind of reinforced, you know what I want, our audience to embrace and to leverage in their lives and in their lives as a, as an entrepreneur, as a sales professional, some of them are digital consultants and other people just have their own business they're running or companies they work for where you're selling every single day. And uh, I think this is foundational to what sales should look like going forward in the future, especially now in the world that we live in. Thanks so much guys. Oh no, you're quite uh, welcome. so well. Pleasure. Can I have you back again, Larry sometime too? Yeah, please without Daryl.
2: <laughs> and, and, I, I love think Daryl. Joe, Joe,
0: Joe, I love Daryl.
2: But you, I mean you're getting you're getting him. You're gonna fly solo with him to talk about revenue growth strategies. I'm gonna and I can't be in that one. So I'm gonna at have least to you have me back on to that you and show. I stop huh? it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Until next time. This has been the mentorship show, and we've got two great business mentors here, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy. Uh, pick up selling from the heart. Uh, the book, you can get it at selling from forward slash. Is it book? You said yes. we'll put yes. the link below in the notes and uh, you can also go to the site to great, get some great resources. Thanks guys. and We'll see you, everyone.
2: Take care.